Well, I want to share with you a word this morning. Uh, if you put a title on it, it's called Make Room. Um, you know, I think sometimes in our lives, um, if we're not careful, we kind of get set in our ways and set in how we do things and how we like things. Um, and we can come to the place to where we're not really willing to make room anymore. Even in our in our hearts and our thought life and just our lives in general, we can get just, you know, uh, the older you get, you know, it's easy to, to become more set and, you know, uh, say, you know, don't touch that. Don't change that. <laughs> don't adjust that. Um, you know, uh, and, and if you're not careful, you and I, if we develop that attitude and that mentality, then we're really going to miss out on what God wants to do in our life because our life is going to be constantly making room. We're never going to be in a place as long as we're on the face of this earth where we're not called to make room. Because the moment we stop making room is the moment we stop being effective and being able to reach people and touch people's lives. You know, as long as you have breath, you have purpose. And you have destiny and you have a a God-given plan for your life. So as long as you're breathing, there's something for you to be doing. And in that doing, it's always going to translate into souls. I mean, that's that's why we're here. I mean, otherwise, we can just go home. We can go to heaven if, you know, but the fact is, is that there's a whole world uh, out there that still hasn't heard or maybe they've heard, but no, never really encountered. Or maybe they've had a bad experience and God wants to use you to turn that experience around. I mean, there's so many different things that are going on, but God wants us to be able to make room in our life. And I remember, uh, I remember when we were uh, pregnant, well, we weren't, you were, um, but, uh, uh, when we were uh, pregnant with uh, our firstborn, Emily, and you know, on your first, you know, everything's a little bit different. We've got four kids, and um, the the youngest are twins. So, uh, you know, on the first, you know, things are a little bit different <laughs> than they are come number two, number three, number four. And so, I remember in our house, you know, whenever we found out, you know, she was pregnant and, and you begin to, to begin to think, okay, you know, we've got a house and now we're getting ready to have this addition in our house. We're about to have another member of the family. So what do you do? You start making room. Amen. Now, we hadn't seen the baby yet. We just know that the baby's coming. But we hadn't seen it yet, but we're already in our hearts, we're making room. Even before she was pregnant, when we decided to begin a family, we had to, in our heart, begin to make some room and say, we're ready for a family. We're ready to begin the process. We're ready to, to believe God for children. We're ready to step into that arena and that phase of life, if you will. So we begin to make room for that. And you begin to make adjustments for that. And you begin to make time for that. Amen. And then when we found out she was pregnant, we began to make room in the house and begin to set up where the baby was going to sleep and, and, you know, get the the, the baby room together. And you begin to paint and you begin to do all of these things to make room. Now, some people's definition of making room is probably different than others. But nonetheless, you all begin to make room, even if it's a surprise. Amen. Amen. You still make room. You begin to make room for it. And so, and uh, you know, half the time when we say it was a surprise, it's not. 
You know what I'm saying? Because you're engaging in activity that negates the surprise. You see what I'm saying? And so, even in that, what I'm saying is, is there's something that takes place and we begin to make room. You know, and then, our, you know, the second our, our son came along and then, man, when the twins came along, I remember when I found out we were having twins, I was actually riding in, uh, with, with Pastor Sam. And uh, we were actually, our staff, we were going out to, to, to lunch. And um, uh, we were actually on our way home and she had called with news from the doctor and she said, uh, you know, we're having twins. You know, which was awesome because we were actually believing God for that. Uh, but, you know, you, immediately, you, now you're thinking doubles, you know. It's, it's, not, it's no longer one crib, it's two. You know, it's no longer one of everything, it's two of everything. And, and, and so everything, it's like, you have to, immediately, you have no choice but to increase your capacity. You see what I'm saying? Because now you're adding two. And it's a wonderful thing, but you still have to do it. I remember uh, somebody asking me, you know, about it later, and um, pastor said, you know, well, you know, what did they say as, as we were driving? And and I said, we're having twins. And it was a couple of days later, but I was telling somebody about the story, and they said, you should have just told the pastor when he asked uh, what they said. You should have just told him. They said to give me a raise, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because twins were coming on. So. But, you know, I, as far as the church is concerned, I believe we live in the greatest hour and the greatest opportunity to be able to have an impact. We're in the last days. And listen, I don't, I don't know when Jesus is coming back. All I know is he's coming back sooner than he ever was. As long as in my lifetime. I'm closer now than I've ever been to his return. Amen. And so I'm not going to spend my life trying to pinpoint the day, the moment. What I want to do is live every day of my life in expectation. And with that, I want to be doing all that I know to do to fulfill what he's put in me. And part of that is to make room for what he wants to do in my life and through my life. Amen. And so the word that I have for you today, I believe, is not, it's for the church, I believe, as a whole, but it's also for you individually. You know, the Bible says that we're uh, members individually. So God, there's an individual component to our lives. We're not just a a conglomeration of, of people just smushed together called the church. We're all unique individuals that God and His divine you know, providence and His ability and His wisdom has brought together. And we all bring something to the table, but we make up a whole. And, and what some people forget in the church is that whatever God's doing corporately, He's also doing individually. So as He's challenging us to make room, I believe on a corporate level, it also begins on the individual level that you and I individually have to begin to make room for more of God and what He wants to do. We've got to increase uh, our capacity, if you will, for what God wants to do. So uh, you can turn over to Isaiah 54. I'm sure you've heard this passage of Scripture. Verse 2, it says, Enlarge the place of your tent... And let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left. And your descendants will inherit the nations. And make the desolate cities inhabited. I know we're jumping kind of right into the middle of this chapter. um, But the principle still applies. And he says, 
What you need to do is he says, I'm getting ready to do something. I've got uh, uh, something I want to do with my people. And he says, you've got to enlarge the place of your tent. You've got to begin to make room. You've got to begin to stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. He says, don't spare. You know, in other words, I've seen it happen. We, we did it at Word of Life. We, when we expanded, we expanded certain areas. And then, then some areas we didn't expand like we should have. And, and not long after that, they were full. Because we spared a little. Amen. And so he's saying just in your capacity, uh, you need to stretch out your curtains, stretch out your dwellings, and don't spare. Lengthen your cords. Amen. And strengthen your stakes. And he says, because you're going to expand to the right and to the left. Uh, And it says your descendants will inherit the nations. Listen, making room is not just about you. It's not just about me. It's about the next generation. It's not just about where you are today. It's not just about what you want and what you think. It's about that next generation of people that are being impacted. So our making room has always got to be within thought. When we made room, we weren't just making room for my wife and I. Amen. We were making room for the next generation. And you've got to be willing to do that in your life. If you're going to be effective for God, you've got to make room for the next generation. I don't care what age you are, it's irrelevant. There's another generation that's coming up, and they need to hear the gospel, they need to experience the gospel, they need to be able to to, uh, encounter God, and not encounter God the way that you think they should encounter God. They need to be able to encounter God the way that God wants them to encounter Him. I'm not talking about abandoning principles. When it says strengthen your stakes, listen, stakes of a tent can be, you could take that and and put the analogy of that being principles of the word of God. Because the stakes don't change. You just drive them deeper. You just put the principles deeper, make them stronger, make them deeper. You make those principles to where they'll be able to hold whatever comes against you. When we were in Jackson, we met temporarily uh, in, in a glorified tent. It's called an air dome. It was held up by air, but it was a tent. And we had stakes. We had poles. And our stakes weren't rope. <laughs> because of the pressure of that building and what it took to do it, we had to drive screws down into the, the mobile home anchors. We had to drive them into the ground and tie it down with cables so that it wouldn't, the pressure wouldn't pull it out. And so, you know, in our life, you've got to make sure that those principles are there. Listen, the enemy is fighting against you and I. And if he can move you off of your principles, then you're left to your own wisdom as to what you're going to obey and what you're not going to obey. That's why it's so important that we don't abandon the Word of God and try to make the Word of God so relevant to culture. The Word of God doesn't bend. Amen. It doesn't mean that you can't take the Word of God and minister it to a people and and present it in a way to where they can understand it, but you don't change the principle of it in order to to make it fit somebody else. The Word of God wasn't spoken to fit us. We're to fit and be molded and shaped and transformed by the Word of God. Amen. So we've got to begin to make room. So go over to Luke chapter 1. I'll read to you one more passage of Scripture here. It 
It's in uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 26, and, and you definitely know this passage of Scripture. But I'm going to show you, uh, I believe there's some things we can pull out of it. It says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you, blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that holy one who is to be born will be called the son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who is called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And then, you know, Mary goes and visits Elizabeth. But I want to jump down to verse 45. It says, Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. You know, Mary, uh, you know, we look at the decision she made, but we read it now and we think, oh, yeah, Mary, you know, she said yes. And and she had a son and his name is Jesus. And and, and we kind of have this picture of what that's like. But we don't necessarily always take time and really think about the implications of what God asked her to do. You know, God came to her before she she's she's engaged, she's betrothed, but she's not married. Marriage, she's planning her wedding. She may be planning her honeymoon. I mean, I know it's different there in that culture, but I don't think there's much difference as far as thinking about being married and, and enjoying that and Joseph and, and, and they're, they're looking forward to their family and their life and, and their future. And all of a sudden, before they even take the, the next step, God interrupts her life and says, Mary, uh, I, I, I need you to, uh, I'm going to say it like this, I need you to make room in your life. Or something that I want to do. I need you to make some room. I'm going to interrupt things a little bit. I'm going to interrupt your plans a little bit. You're not going to get to to, to live life just as husband and wife for a little while. you're, You're going to begin with a bang if you will. You're going to go into this with with some responsibility. They, They weren't just having a baby. They were having the baby. You know what I'm saying? The son of God. Think about the kind of pressure that is. The responsibility, the thought process of that. I, I, I mean, I remember us thinking about just beginning to raise our child. And, and, and you think you know some things. I mean, we were children's pastors for a few years. But we had never had our own. But now I'm, I'm not just responsible for, for my baby. I'm responsible for the son of God. I'm having to make some room here in my thoughts. I'm having to to change some things. I'm having to let God help me with some things in my mind because I'm going to be struggling a little bit here. I'm going to have to already make some room even to the point to where I know that if this became public, I could be killed. 
That was the law. What is my husband going to think? What is my betrothed husband going to think about me? The one who's pledged his love for me. The one who says that he wants to marry me. The, the, what's going to happen to all in, in this? The same arguments we have, same thoughts I believe we have anytime God asks us to do something that cuts across the grain. That may not just fit within the, the context of what somebody else thinks. And so she had to make room. And she was making room, not, not just for a baby to be born. The Bible says that uh, unto us a child was born, but it says unto us a son was given. She was making room for salvation. She was making room for a miracle. She was making room for everything to change. Just this one act of obedience. I, I mean, I realize it was more, but it began here. This, this willingness to say, okay, God, you can use my life. She could have said no. If, if she couldn't have said no, then it would have violated our free will. Now, you know, she didn't, thank God. And God would have found somebody else. Not like God's plan's not going to happen. But my point is, 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 it always comes down. We have to choose to make room. God's not going to force you to do it. You've got to make a decision. Say, okay, God, I'm willing. I'm willing. Whatever you need me to do, I'm willing to do it. I'll make room for you. You see, every word from God begins with a seed. And the Bible says in the beginning, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And the word was God. And it says, and then on down, it says the word became flesh. How did it start with Mary? It started with a word from God. You have found favor and you're going to have a son. That was a word from God sent from God to Mary via Gabriel. A word from God. And she had to let it be conceived in her. She had to carry that word. She had to believe that word, hold on to that word. Listen, I realized that she would be able to tell, hey, I'm having a baby. But the fact that he said that he would be called Jesus and he's the son of God. That's a whole different level there. Amen. You see what I'm saying? We've simplified it so much to where we've taken sometimes the miracle and, and, and what it took for, for Jesus to be born. But not just for Jesus to be born, but the fact that He is the Son of God. She's carrying the Son of God. She's carrying the Savior of the world. At that moment, she didn't realize the cross yet. She didn't know the cross yet. She didn't see the whipping post yet. She didn't see the mocking of Jesus yet. She hadn't seen all of that yet. All she has is a word from God. That you are going to bear the son of God. And she's having to make room. To be able to do that. And so our first question is. is How's this going to happen? Uh, th there's no natural way for this to happen. I, I, don't, I haven't known a man yet. I, I... You know, many times in our lives. When it's time to make room. It's going to begin with you believing something. That God can do something beyond what you can see possible. I don't mean being foolish. Okay. There, there, there is a balance there. 
But it begins with you and I looking at things and saying, okay, I I don't see this yet. I don't quite understand how this is going to happen. But God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe you. And the angel answered, says the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and the power of the, the highest will overshadow you. Amen. Listen, the Holy Spirit, the power of God is, is, is what is going to uh, cause those things to come to pass in our life. Now, she still had to carry him. She still had to carry him. She still had to, to, to ride on the back of a donkey for I think it's 90 miles. 80 miles, somewhere in there. I may, I may be off, but, but it's, it's, it's a bunch of miles. When they went in for, to uh, uh, Galilee for the, to the census. And she's pregnant. She had to go through the possibility of Joseph putting her away privately. Well, think about that for a minute. Oh, she, it was just Mary. She, she's good. No, I guarantee you there was some stress there. There was some anguish there at times. There were some challenges there at times. I mean, after all, I mean, she's, she, you know, some, you look at some scholars and what they say, but she's under 20 years old. I mean, she's still young. And it goes on and it says, for God, for with God, nothing will be impossible. Now, listen to her response. This is where she chooses to make room. She says, verse 38, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. Let it be to me according to your word. That was the moment that she said, I believe. Romans 10, 9 and 10, same principle. You believe in your heart. Amen. You confess with your mouth. That, that's the pattern for the word of God being manifested in your life. That's the pattern. The way it begins in salvation. Amen. Is the same principle that you apply for everything that God wants to do in your life. You have to believe in your heart. You have to begin to declare out of your mouth. That's that's the principle. She believed in her heart. And then she declared, let it be to me. It wasn't a thought. She said it. Let it be to me according to your word. And then you go on in verse 45. And the reason I read it says, blessed is she who believed. Blessed is she who believed. Blessed is she who believed for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. There will be a fulfillment of those things told her from the Lord. I'm not talking about, you know, late night, last night's late night pizza. You know, I'm not talking about, you know, things like that where it's just off the wall and and there's no witness there. I'm not talking about crazy stuff. But I am talking about the things that God's speaking, the things that God's declaring, the thing that God wants to do. And you and I, I believe with all my heart that God's challenging us. And I believe here specifically as well is that you've got to make room. And you may look around and say, well, there's room. No, I'm not talking about just physical room. I'm talking about room here. I'm talking about making room in your heart. I'm talking about making preparation in your heart. I'm talking about expectancy that God's going to do some things. Expectancy that God's going to grow some things. Expectancy that God wants to do more in my life. You see, I've got to let Him increase me on the inside before He's ever going to be able to increase me on the outside. 
The only way I can increase on the outside is the buffet. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I can physically increase. Or I can go and put the arm of the flesh to work. And I can make some things happen. But I'll tell you what, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about what God wants to do. And God being in the middle of it and it being supernatural. I believe in that with all my heart. Everything in my life and the decisions that I've made that I know were God, I can go back and I can tell you every time and show you how God supernaturally intervened in that. How God was a part of it. How God made it work. You know, when our twins were born, um, we had somebody in the church come to us. And, and this, this family, they paid for child care for us for two years. A full-time nanny that we didn't ask for. Because, I mean, we were youth pastors at the time. We were coming and going. We had a lot on our plate. And, and you know, taking. we had a three-year-old and a five-year-old. Is that right? You know, and a very active three-year-old. The first one in the fountain at the church. Not only once, but more than once. That, 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 was, our, that was our son, Austin. He was always active. <laughs> so we had this going on and God knew. Now listen, and God made that happen. And I can go in and tell you, we had two miscarriages before our firstborn was born. And then God spoke a word over us a few years later. and said, I'm giving you two more. And, so, and they didn't even know about the miscarriages. You see what I said? So I consider and I can show you every time how God spoke into a situation. And God did it supernaturally. Whenever we decided to expand at the church there in Jackson and, and just do a temporary building there. Whenever we, we knew that we needed to do it, we didn't have anybody in our church with any money. Matter of fact, that week, I didn't even have enough money to, to, to pay all the bills. But yet, we moved forward to do an expansion. And it was about a $70,000 expansion. It wasn't anything crazy. But you know, God provided every dime of it. You see what I'm saying? In other words, I'm not talking about just doing things flippantly. But I'm saying that there's things that God wants to do in your life. And things that He wants to do in our life. Things He wants to do in this church. And you and I have to be willing to make room. And sometimes you run into people and they say, Well, I like the size of my church. I like the way it is. Well, then you must like other people not hearing about Jesus. I don't mean that ugly. But that's the truth. Well, just, you know, us, us four and no more. No, that's not what God's called you to do. That doesn't mean you have to be a mega church. It just means that you got to be growing. Anything that God's hand is on grows. And there's always seasons where he prunes. But it always leads to more growth. Amen. But you've got to make room for that. Things don't grow well when there's not room. Their growth is stunted. And if there's anybody who does, you know, gardening or, you know, things that that you can't just lay everything on top of each other. Not anything of any size. You're never going to find two oak trees two feet apart. One will die because one will take over. You, You see what I'm saying? Something that's of size and of magnitude. And size is not just how many people... Size is also the reach and the impact. You don't have to be a mega church to reach the world. You just have to make room for what God wants to do. 
And God will reach. God will give you influence. God will expand that and increase that. And what that means is that as you're making room in your heart, you're making room in your life, God's making room corporately. Amen. And everybody grows. See, it's not just about, uh, it's not about an outward growth in itself. It's about a growth from the, from the inside all the way out. And God being able to do more. And that translating into more lives being impacted for the kingdom of God. And, and you know, examples, you know, in Jackson, we connected with another ministry. We were reaching, you know, maybe 60, 50, 60 people on Sunday. But during the week, we were reaching 150 to 200 people. Through partnership with another ministry, you know, but every week we were pastoring these people, a part of that. And so you, you, you can't, I, 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 I guess I'm just trying to, to hit it from different angles here, but we have to be careful that we don't have just this concept and mentality in our mind and in our heart, and we're not willing to make room for God and how He wants to do something, and that God may want to do something a little bit different. Again, I'm not talking about abandoning the Word or the principles of the Word, but not everything that you've experienced in your godly life has been built on or Based upon the word. Some of it is the tradition of men. And I don't care how spiritual people are. Every, every person. Every denomination. Every, every non-denomination. Everybody has an element. Of the tradition of men. Period. And, and I'm not saying bad or good. What I'm saying is. Is that if you're not careful. You'll be overrun by tradition. And the Bible says you'll make the word of God of no effect. You have a form of godliness. That word form is the word for formula. You have a formula. Well, if I do A and I add B to it and add C to it, then it's going to equal. And as long as I do A, B, and C, then I'm going to be okay. No, you're not. What matters is, is are you going to be obedient? And, and I'm talking about, I understand that there's principles that you live upon and you abide by, but it's not just a rote formula. If it was a rote formula, then the, the, the word of faith church wouldn't be dying today. Because they, they've got a formula down for faith. And I, I'm a faith person. Okay. But they've got a formula down for how, how they think things should be done. And that's not necessarily the way. But they're so afraid of making room. That's in everybody. But they're so afraid of making room because they think, well, it's going to violate. No, I'm not talking about violating principles. Principles don't change. The word of God does not change. But some of our methods change a little and if you don't believe that then you hadn't read the gospels because jesus didn't spit in mud and put it in every blind person's eye he didn't have a spit in the mud of spit in the dirt ministry i'm not trying to be i'm trying to help us understand that if we're not careful there's certain things that maybe the way God told you to do something before, God may tell you a little bit different. It's still the principle of faith because I still have to receive it. I still have to believe it. I have to declare. I have to act on it. It's still the principle of faith. But the way I go about it may be a little bit different this time. Are you getting that? 
And so we've got to make room for God. And that's how we make room for God in our life is we dig deeper into the word. We make the principles stronger in our life. Those foundations of truth. Amen. But we're also open to God doing things differently. And the stronger my principles are, then when God speaks to me to do something differently, I'm not having to worry about whether I'm abandoning principles. They're already there. The foundation is laid. And now God can use me to do some things and step out and do some things in faith that maybe I was was unable to do before. Our faith increasing. So in order for us to make room, we've got to enlarge our heart. Take Abraham, for example, whenever uh, he spoke to Abraham about his seed and about the future, he took him out and he said, look at the stars, look at the sand. He had to do something to get Abraham's heart to enlarge and begin to see something bigger. And then 25 years later, he was still waiting on a son. We're waiting on the promised seed. And then when the son's born, he wants him to take him up and sacrifice him, put him on the altar. Now tell me today that if that ever happened today, how many churches would write that off and say that person's nuts? Now I don't believe God would ask that today because of that. But do you understand the point though? Did God ask anybody else to sacrifice their firstborn? No. But Abraham believed and it was accounted to him as righteousness. The principle of faith was there. He's the father of our faith. Amen. But he's never, he's never asked me to do that. Amen. I, I know I'm hitting it kind of hard, but I'm, I'm praying that I'm getting the point across. Amen. The second thing is, is that we've got to renew our mind. And renewing your mind is more than, and please don't take this wrong, but renewing your mind is more than reading your Bible. And I'm going to explain it. Renewing my mind is that I'm taking the word and I'm reading it, but I'm meditating on it. I am letting it get into my life to where it brings a transformation in my life and not just a story I read that I remember. That's what I mean. Yes, you should read your Bible. I have a Bible reading plan and, 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 and just to read through the Bible. And, 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 but I'm expecting that when I do that for God to speak to me. But in the same respect, if it's not bringing transformation in my life, then I'm not renewing my mind. I'm just adding information to it. I'm adding some good godly information. You know, I read the story about Abraham. I read the story about Samson. I read the story about David. I read the story about Mary. I've, I've added some information. But if it's not leading to me doing something and transforming something in my life, then I'm not renewing my mind. So I've got to renew my mind to the word of God. Romans 12, 2 says, be not conformed to this world, but what? Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. I've got to be, there's, when I, if I'm renewing my mind to the word of God, it's going to bring transformation. The fruit of renewing is transformation. And if I don't have the fruit of transformation, then I'm not renewing. I'm just reading. And again, reading is good. I'm not negating that. But is it producing a change in you? 
I'm not talking about, you know, something every day that you're reading something and, and, and you're just every day, you, you know, you're, you're, you know, totally changed the next day. I, I realize it's, it's line upon line. It's precept upon precept. It's principle upon principle. Amen. But, but I'm not the same. We're about to be in 2018. Is your walk with God different than it was in 2017? Can you say that things have changed? Or are you, it's just the same. It's 2018 and New Year, same playbook. Am I renewing my mind? That's to make room. You've got to renew your mind. You've got to dig deeper in the things of God. You've got to invest more into the things of God. First Peter 2, 2 says, desire sincere milk of the word that we may grow thereby. James 1, says, don't be hearers only, but what be doers of the word. Not deceiving yourself into thinking that you're being changed or you're transforming into the image of God, but you're really not. Don't, don't do that. If you're not a doer of what you're hearing, then transformation isn't taking place and you're being deceived. And you have a form of godliness. Well, I read my Bible every day. And that is awesome. Please continue. Amen. But if it isn't leading to change. Then you could be reading a novel every day. Prayer. Amen. We've got to ask God to help us. God help me see things differently. Ephesians 3.20. You know, is a great prayer to pray. Uh, that we'd have a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. That the eyes of our understanding would be open. That we'd know the hope to which we'd been called. We'd know his glorious inheritance that's in the saints and his incomparable great power that's towards them that believe. God, revelation, change me. Let, let Change my thinking. Let my mind be renewed. Jude 20, when we pray in the Holy Ghost, you know, it says we build ourselves up on, on our most holy faith. Prayer, prayer and pray in the spirit, pray, pray in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Those are things we can do to renew our mind and, and, and things we can do to be able to see, uh, make room for God. And then the last one is we do. We have to obey. We have to be obedient to what God tells us to do. Obedient, first of all, to his word. If you can't obey the word of God, then you're not going to obey a word from God. If you can't just obey what the word says. If, if you don't obey the word concerning being a tither. Then don't expect a word from God on how to make you rich. Because you're violating the, the first principles. Can you see what I'm saying? And then, I mean, we could take that a whole, I mean, every principle of the word. I just use that one because that's an easy one. Amen. And I'm not condemning anybody or fussing at you. What I'm trying to do is help you to understand that if I will just begin, you don't have to try and cover everything. If you notice when you talk to God and you pray and you read, God's going to begin to deal with you about certain things. Let's get this in order. Okay, let's get this in order. Okay, let's get this in order. He doesn't throw the whole book at you and say, get it together. You know what I'm saying? Thank God he doesn't do that. Because anybody who says they got it all together, they don't because they're a liar. You know, they're not speaking the truth. 
We just need to say, okay, what's the first thing? And I, okay, well, God, the Bible says, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. So what should I do? I'm going to be in church. I realize we have jobs and things have changed and that. That's life. It's okay. But when it's choosable. That's where the rubber meets the road is where it's choosable. And we choose one or the other. Amen. Doesn't become obedience until you have a choice. <laughs> if you don't have a choice in the matter, then there is no obedience factor. It becomes, uh, you know, a requirement. That's why we have free will. You can't be obedient without free will. Amen. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and say, oh me or oh my, something. <laughs> no, I, I do. I believe that God is doing and working. He already is. But I believe for 2018 for you guys that God's wanting to make room. I believe that with all my heart. But it's got to, God's got to make room in you. And I'm not saying he hasn't. Okay, so don't take any offense to what I'm saying. Amen. What I'm saying is, is that we want to make sure we're making room for God. And that includes me in my life and for my family. I've got to make room in me for 2018 and what God wants to do. I've got to be willing to allow God to speak and do some things and adjust and change and, and prune and, and, you know, to produce growth. I, I just have to be willing to make room. I've got to renew my mind and, and be willing to do that. You know, sometimes people get upset, you know, because, well, I didn't get this promotion or I didn't get that opportunity or this didn't happen. And, and, and sometimes, yeah, maybe man got in the way and messed it all up, but sometimes it's because maybe you just weren't ready yet. Maybe you thought you were ready, but you weren't ready for something. Maybe you hadn't, your capacity wasn't there to be able to do what needed to be done. And I'll just tell you right now, that can be true in the church. And we can go through and read scripture and you can have a willing heart, but that doesn't mean that God immediately throws you in the forefront. Sometimes there's some equipping and training that take place. And that really is you growing and maturing and making room. I want to go to the next season, the next level, if you will, if I can say it that way. I want to go to the next phase. I want to go, you know, I've got to make room. And I promise you this, that if you find yourself reaching a certain level or a certain place, and then all of a sudden it seems like you repeat and then you repeat, then it's not man's fault. Quit blaming man for it and begin to say, God, help me to make room because I'm missing something that you're waiting on in me to increase so that you can do what you want to do through me. God will use everybody, but he doesn't use everybody to the same capacity. He uses every person to the ability to where they are and can be used. And he'll use the fire out of them. Amen. So God will use you. But if there's more that God's saying and speaking and you know that God wants to increase that. You know, I always say promotion in the kingdom isn't a new title. A promotion in the kingdom is increase of influence. So if you're faithful with the two then God can give you five. And if he can trust you with the five, then he'll give you 15. And that's, I mean, those aren't scriptures, but the, the principle is there. 
That God will increase you. And as you increase, God will give you more influence. Now, we see in the kingdom that some influence is man's influence. But God's influence is always a process. David beat the lion. He defeated the bear. And then he defeated Goliath. He didn't start with Goliath. And when David was anointed to be king, he didn't run off and try to be king. He went back and kept the sheep and was faithful to do it. You may have a calling on your life or something. Amen. But it's not your job to run off and try to make it happen. It's your job to stay put and stay faithful and be faithful to what God's already put in your hands. And then God is the one that will make that happen for you in its time. Not your time in its time. 